0: You're listening to the Nicene Creed, a Lenten podcast series from Covenant Shreveport, a church on a mission to declare and demonstrate the gospel in all of life. Learn more about us at CovenantShreveport.org. Hey friends, welcome to the Nicene Creed. My name's Weston Brown. Today we're continuing our look at the center section of the creed, which is all about Jesus. But before we jump in, let's take a moment to say the Nicene Creed together. As always, you can find these words at the link in our show notes, and we hope that you will memorize this over the course of this Lenten season. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So, we're spending three weeks looking at this center section which begins with, We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. And last week, we started by considering the content through the line, Through Him, all things were made. And we're camping out here for a bit for a few reasons. First of all, this is simply the longest section of the creed. But even more than that, this part of the creed best reflects the purpose and outcome of the Council of Nicaea, which was to correct the error of Arius and others in asserting that Jesus was not God. As we talked about in our last episode, the Creed writers who wrote in Greek employed use of the Greek word homoousios to talk about the relationship between Christ and God the Father. This word means of one being or of one substance, and that relationship was emphasized in the first part of this middle section. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. And this is a direct response to Arius and the Arian party, and this officially establishes in writing the orthodox official position of the church. But the creed continues and ventures into some other critical distinctions about Christ. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. Now, in some ways, this is similar to um, or an expansion of the Apostles' Creed. You can also read that at the link in our show notes. The Apostles' Creed says he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. What the Nicene Creed seems to emphasize, though, is not only the almost linear process through which the Son became incarnate. It's almost saying this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But also, it gives a nod to the why behind the incarnation. It says that this was for us and for our salvation. Now as we've said before, the council was seeking to encapsulate the teaching of scripture in talking about why Jesus came. So a couple of examples of what the New Testament has to say. One is Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the foremost. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 9, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. So, Scripture's clear Jesus came to save sinners. But where did He come from? The Creed tells us this as well He came down from heaven. This is a direct reflection of what Jesus said of himself in John 6. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, this is critical for a couple of reasons. First, The scriptures emphasize that the son pre-existed his incarnation as Jesus. He had to come down from heaven in order to be born of the Virgin Mary. As the writer of Hebrews says, he was made lower than the angels. Again, this points us toward the fact that the Son is eternally coexisting with the Father. He was involved in the creation of all things, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So He came down from heaven for us and for our salvation. Then He became incarnate, which is a word that means in the flesh. He wasn't in the flesh in a human sense before. But now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is born of the Virgin Mary. The angel tells Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, some people mistakenly refer to this moment as the Immaculate Conception, a term that they've heard that they think perhaps refers to Jesus, but it is not. The Immaculate Conception is a specifically Roman Catholic concept that states that Mary herself was without sin from the moment that she was conceived. This idea has always been controversial and is not based on any biblical precedent. the Catholic Church, as well as the Eastern Orthodox Church, also teaches another non-biblical idea about Mary, which is that she somehow perpetually remained a virgin, even though she had other biological children. The Creed is not really getting into any of that territory, but it is seeking to do a couple of things here. First, the Creed wants us to grasp that Jesus was both God and man. Based on how you view Jesus, the tendency often is to want to err on one side of that spectrum or the other. We either want to see him as being fully God all the time or being more human in his interactions. And yet he is both and we have to live in that tension. But then secondly, the Creed also wants to dispel any unbiblical notions that might arise about Jesus or Mary, such as Jesus was just a normal human baby with a normal human mother. No, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and this was not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Join us next time as we continue digging into the history surrounding the Creed. What happened after the Council of Nicaea? that ultimately led the church to reconvene in the Council of Constantinople and to actually add more content to the creed that had originally been written at Nicaea.